We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the True Faith Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Phoenix Taxis and Coaches. To book online, please visit www.phoenixtaxis.net. True Faith Weekly Podcast. This is a special edition. I'm Alex Hurst and uh, joined by Mike Green tonight. Tonight we are going to talk about English clubs in the Champions League specifically and their continued failure. Whilst we're recording, Arsenal are currently 3-2 down to Olympiacos at home. Possibly facing elimination. I don't really see how they could pull this one round if, if they lose tonight. Back-to-back games against Bayern Munich. If that yielded six points, they, they, would, de- they would definitely be out. Uh, you know, obviously Man City in trouble already, Man United in trouble, and it's really been a pattern of the last few seasons. So me and Mike, we're going to talk through why is it going so badly, um, you know, potential reasons, whether it's a, a long-term thing, whether it's a bigger issue with English football full stop, that the quality is falling, and whether we should care really, and how things are going to turn out in the future. So Mike, pleasure to have you with me as always. Um, why don't you kick us off? And, why, and I'll tell you what, Mike, we'll be honest with the listeners, this was your idea as a podcast, so why was it something that you wanted to discuss? Um, well, uh, aside from the fact that Arsenal are just consistently cracking me up at the moment, it's, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, 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 it's an interesting thing how we, we, we were so dominant, weren't we, for a, for a good three four years, consistently just dominating the semi-finals, always someone in the final, if not an all-English final, and it's... Um, it was uh, I got an email from UEFA the other day um, that, that's about even UEFA were sending me emails saying that the the English clubs were in danger of losing their coefficient and their and having their uh, having their allocation to to the Champions League diminished. I bet uh, Johnny Foreigner in the UEFA office loved typing that out, literally fighting oh. over each other to get that one out of the <laughs> the offices. <laughs> You say that, but surely they'll be pretty gutted for all the money that the, the yeah. Premier League will be, be bringing to the party. I'm sure uh, uh, at first thought they'd be they'd be absolutely buzzing. And then they'll think about it and they're like, oh, <laughs> so it, it's not too hot. So 
Um, yeah, it, it just got me thinking, really, because I wasn't really expecting UEFA <laughs> officially to come and come and stick the boot in. Um, <laughs> but it, but it, but it, but it got us thinking about whether it actually is, you know, whether it's just something cyclical that, that, that you have to accept, or whether there are there are long term issues that, that will actually mean that we we, we lose our uh, a place with a coefficient. Um, you know, obviously, it's not not just the Champions League, but it's actually uh, Europa League performances. Um, contribute to that as well. So on that front, we could be pretty knackered with it, with a number of teams going out of, of the of the Europa League already. And uh, as you say, Arsenal and uh, and the rest of the English club not exactly pulling up any trees in in the first and second round of matches now. Yes, yeah, obviously, I totally agree with everything you're saying. That and this is one of the much discussed points of today's media. No doubt, tomorrow again on on the foot in the you know the national football podcast and in the. Uh, newspapers, it will be taught. You know the English demise in Europe. We talked about, especially as you say, and it was the the golden years of our life. Mike, uh, university for me, knew where we met when English clubs just absolutely tore it up in Europe. Um, yeah. You know, like our kind of we were uni um two thousand. Well, I was at uni two thousand seven to ten. You were till eleven, and yeah, every single year there was an English team in the final. I think, which is pretty special if if you know compared to now. Um, yeah, um, which is I mean. Which kind of brings me to the first point, really, about um, which should always be raised, whether it's English clubs struggling in Europe or whether the England national team struggles in a major tournament. It's that one of the winter break, isn't it? Yeah. Um, now, I think it goes a bit beyond that and, and other things that the, that the footballing authorities can do to, to help out teams in the Champions League. But, but, but just thinking on the winter break in particular... Um, People will always bring it up as a, as, a, as a stick to beat the you know English clubs with and or the, or the English organisation, but there's no feasible reason why that should have changed so much since, as you say, 2007-10 when we were absolutely dominating and and, and just like semi-finalists, finalists every year. The schedule is still the same now. Yeah. Whether the the level of performance has got to such a level so that the fitness of the players and and it's got to such a level in the Champions League that the smallest of margins make an even bigger difference now I'm not really qualified to say but just on a on a just thinking about it laterally I, I can't see the winter break or, or having a winter break disruption that, that that season as as being a, a major reason given just a few years ago we were we were excelling right to the end of the year I don't know what you think on that no you're a fan of the, the festive fixtures and it is, so it'll be a bit of a wrench to, uh, to, to, to leave them just for a, just for an experiment in the Champions League well if, if they got rid of the Christmas fixtures I'd be done mate I'd not be going back as I've said many a time <laughs> um, but yes yeah, it's, it's an integral part of English football and on my rare visits abroad and speaking to people through business and stuff the English festive fixed list is very much envied by the foreign football fan. Like there are a lot of kind of you know the the traditional stuff of well you couldn't play on Boxing Day and stuff like that. But the overall festive period, it is an absolute treat for football fans, and we shouldn't get away from the fact that we're really really lucky to have it. Easter football used to be absolutely sick as well, and we've totally lost Indeed. that game on the Friday, game on the Sunday, or the Saturday and the Monday. Absolutely you know, class. Oh well, yeah, and the Friday would be like a lunchtime or exactly. kickoff as well. Now, if you have one on, on the Good Friday, it's like a seven forty-five, isn't it? Which, which is great, but like you used to have those like 
proper three o'clock, twelve forty-five kickoffs on a Friday, which was just like it was such a novelty. But it was well, so brilliant. Just have you'd have the day off, you'd be off school, and there was like football all through the day, and then you knew two days later yeah. there'd be a, a, another round again. Another round of fixtures, not just more games. Another round of fixtures it was absolutely <laughs> class. We want to stop this podcast now. I think we just need the pro need to reintroduce the Easter fixtures. Problem solved. <laughs> Champions League uh, would be fine, but before I go, before I come back to that point, I may as well just go through English teams' um, record in like golden few years. I'll go back right back to um, well, two thousand and three, four. Um, Newcastle went out of the qualifying round. Shit, the Partizan Belgrade. That was a mare. Um, Man U and Arsenal quarterfinals. Uh, Chelsea semi-finals. The following season, oh four five, Chelsea semi-finals. Liverpool winners. Oh five oh six. Uh, Arsenal were in the final 06-07 we had three semi-finalists and then Liverpool in the final getting beat 07-08 Man United um, Chelsea and Liverpool in the semi-finals Man United winners 08-09 again three out of the four so that's two consecutive seasons three out of the four um, clubs in the semi-finals of Europe's Premier Competition were English so that was really the golden period Um, that was the one where Man United lost in the final Arsenal and Chelsea also made the semis the following season, not a good 0-9-10. And then 10-11, where Man U made the final, didn't win. And then the following year, 11-12, which is where it kind of stops, uh, Chelsea won it. So that's that's a pretty good run. Um, back to your winter break thing. It's, a, it's an age-old uh, discussion, I think, that you have to play the games at some point. So I don't see how having to play the games, uh, at, you know, in a shorter space of time helps. And there's also that... You know, determining what actually is the winter break because you've got leagues like Italy who have like kind of ten days off, compared to Germany where it's a full like five week blown affair. Yeah, it's nearly six weeks, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and and then as as tends to happen anyway with preseason. Now we've discussed on the podcast this preseason. Preseason's basically a, a joke now for a lot of clubs. And in you know, look at Chelsea start of the season, I said preseason that Chelsea would be suffering for their. You know, their hectic schedule before the season started. Bayern Munich and all the big clubs like that, and even Madrid, they're away playing friendlies anyway in the Middle East and stuff like that, raising money. So the, that concept of a, of a winter break, I'm not really having. Uh, but looking at that English club record that I have just talked you through there, you can you can accept one or two seasons where there's an issue. But, you know, you can't say English clubs are, are falling away because of, say, last season, for example. But if you look at it, even in that great run, uh, the 0-9-10 season, English clubs did very little. Uh, Man United and Arsenal made it to the quarterfinals, and that's it. But you know, Eng- English clubs' recent record beyond the 11-12 season, 12-13, uh, no one passed the round of um, 16, which was very poor. 13-14, uh, Chelsea made the semis, that was it. And 14-15, no one passed the round of 16 again. So that's three really barren years and we haven't made the best of starts this time as well. So there is definitely a trend there, Mike. Yeah, I mean, it's the, those stats you were reading off earlier, the, the outstanding one to me was in the 2008-09 season, that was the, the third year running that we had three semi-finalists in the Champions League, which is just hmm. ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. But do you not think now that the likes at that triumvirate really you've got Barcelona Real Madrid and and Bayern that at the same time as the English clubs at five six years ago were so dominant it's just those three major forces that are that are so incredible if you look at the the record of those three teams against 
um, not not only in general but against the English teams um, over, over over the past years. Um, over the last six years, Real or Barca have knocked out English teams seven times, Ooh. and Bayern have knocked five English teams out since two thousand and nine. So, that these English teams that are, are coming up against absolute world like superstar teams, and they got me thinking really. When, when how many in the last say four or five years, how many real world class players have, have, have been signed by these top Premier League teams that you know have been taken from under the nose of a Real Madrid or you think about a player like Aguero you, you could imagine him like Madrid would have been in for him at the time going to City but there, there hasn't been that many um, that, that I think over the last few years um, Schweinsteiger is coming on the downward downward spiral of his career um, you've got Kevin De Bruyne who could, who could have made the great a big club but it doesn't seem to me when you look at the likes of Bayern Real and Barca um, who, despite their transfer embargo, are still signing the, the the best players in the world. Doesn't seem to me like those English clubs are winning from under the nose of those of, of those that those big three, um, those real top players. And as a consequence, I think at the moment they they're just going up against a, a brick wall and they, they can't get past. I mean, if, tonight's a perfect example. As we went on air. Arsenal, who lost to Dynamo Zagreb <laughs> last week, that same Dynamo Zagreb team was 5-0 down to Bayern Munich last <laughs> about an hour. And that kind of just sums it up nicely. And, and that it's Within the Premier League, there, you know, there, there are some very good teams, but at that very top level, the, the gap is, is getting bigger now. And I think those three teams are, are dominating the Champions League just like the English teams were, um, if not more so, um, five, six years ago. Yeah, and it's it's funny you say that because one of the there's there's two sides to this argument that you could look at. Well, why aren't English teams uh, winning the Champions League? And the easy answer to that is there are just three European powerhouses at the moment who have very little to do in their domestic league seasons. Yeah, Barca and Real have got each other to play, and I know Atletico Madrid uh, winning the league. Um, you know, a couple of years ago is the caveat to that. Bayern Munich, it's just a cakewalk. So the, the the lack of exertion in their domestic programs has got to help them hugely. It really does. You know, Barcelona beat teams without breaking into a sweat. <laughs> At times, you know, it's so easy for them. A little bit more competition this year, it's looking like. But whereas you think about it, I know it's not um, the same every week. But the likes of Chelsea last year and other teams before that they, they, they've got a fight on their hands each week I mean you look at the results in the Premier League and it's statistically proven that it is a more competitive league that teams at the bottom are far more likely to, to beat teams at the top the other question is so that's why aren't the teams winning the Champions League there's also the fact you know if you look at well why aren't English teams progressing past the round of 16 why are English teams losing to PSV Dynamo Zagreb so I understand what you're saying about the three powerhouses but that wouldn't explain why English results have dropped off so badly. You look at Juventus, great team, but lost a lot of players in the summer, had a very poor start of the Serie A season. They they were the better team than Man City, I've no doubt about it. Why are Arsenal losing to Olympiacos tonight? No one realistically thinks Olympiacos and Arsenal would be, sorry, Olympiacos and Zagreb are a better team than Arsenal, but Arsenal just can't seem to do it in Europe. So I kind of, I'll throw that one back at you. You know, when you're talking about the big three, but it, it would appear just to a lot of people that the English clubs at the moment, they're in danger of not even getting to face those kind of clubs. And is there a reason for that? Mm. Well, I think I think over the, the, the last few years that 
No, give it given those stats, the, the amount of times we've been knocked out by the, by those big three, I think I think they do sort of have a, a lot to do with it. But I think this campaign in particular is, is highlighted with with some ludicrous, very just lax results. And it you you look at um, Arsenal taken as a, an example. I don't want to bully Arsenal. I know <laughs> we talk about them a lot and our frustrations, but the the frustra- the frustration is that they they really could they they probably apply themselves. Um, they, they could they could win things. But resting players, resting Coglan, resting Czech, major players going out to, to Zagreb. Um, any game away from home, I mean, I know Zagreb are getting battered by Bayern today, <laughs> but if you go away from home in the Champions League, it's going to be a tricky game. Um, now, I, th- I think the attitude going into that and, uh, and why you have to rest a keeper anyway is beyond me after <laughs> about seven or eight games, but that's by the by. But I think it's the mentality that that, that spreads to the rest of the players. Um, when you go out there, they think they can go out and stroke it around like they're playing in the Emirates Cup and just <laughs> knock five six past a team. But I think from from Wenger, aside from the actual physical nature of of not having those key players on the pitch, I think the message that sends to not only to to, to the other players in the team that, that they'll just subconsciously drop a level, but also to to, to Zagreb. There were comments from I think the Zagreb captain after the game. They were like, "Well, we saw them basically." taking a piss so that was all the motivation we needed um, uh, and I think that now that there is a lot of money around around the rest of Europe mainly because English clubs are paying over the odds for players and, uh, and actually um, giving giving teams around Europe a, a lot more money to play with and more quality players to buy in I think it's very dangerous to to take this uh, this view that, that there can be a be a dead rubber or an easy game um, especially early on in the group stages where, when, when all the teams are level and, and everyone's theoretically got a chance and I, and I think the English teams are, are starting to be guilty of that with Arsenal being an example um, but, uh, but but they're by no means the only ones over the last couple of years I think you've raised two good points there which I'll come on to now so number one you, you're talking about resting players in the Champions League for the Premier League which never would have happened in the past and number two money and the two are combined. So you, your example there is Arsenal. You, you remember Arsenal's game after Dynamo Zagreb last time? Ch- uh, Chelsea away. Chelsea oh away. Yeah, of course, yeah, their, game this, their game this weekend, Man United at home. There's no yeah. doubt in my mind that Arsene Wenger, and I would argue correctly, that Arsene Wenger um, has looked at those fixtures, looked at the quality of the opposition, rightly or wrongly, and thought, my, my focus is Chelsea. My focus is Man United. And I think that never would have happened in the English uh, Premier League team's glory days. Between do, you, do you think, just to, just to butt in, but do, do you think that at this early stage, arguably later on in the group stages, when there will be, usually in the last three games, there will be a team that's pretty much out and there's a team that's going in the Europa League and don't really want to go in the Europa League, there, there, there would be some easier games on show, don't you think, certainly in the first first few games... Uh, before you get some points under your belt in, in the Champions League that you should put out strong sides you've only played what seven, eight league games so I I, I, I don't really buy the resting resting the players for, for, for the game on the Sunday well, at, at this early stage in the season I think it's more important that because they, they're going to have some easier games later on in the Champions League if they perform <laughs> earlier on in the group stages um, I, I don't really think that, that resting players at this stage is, is really a viable or a plausible option 
I agree with you, but I'll just kind of talk through the my rationale. Um, Arsenal, let's pick on Arsenal like we always do. Arsenal uh, would win the league. It's would win the league if they improved their performance against the top six sides in the Premier League. They do as well as as well as if not better than the bottom twelve teams in the Premier League than Man City or Chelsea have in the past couple of years. It's when it comes to those big crunch games that all falls, falls apart. They beat Chelsea in the Community, community Shield this season. And I, I honestly think that Arsenal um, complacency is, is is something you can always accuse Arsenal of having. Arsenal have qualified from the group stages for what, the past sixteen seasons or something mental like that. Um, I honestly, I honestly think that his focus tactically and uh, preparation wise will have been on those two Premier League games. Something from a, a fan's point of view, which is quite strange. Don't know whether you'll agree with this, Mike. Is that the Premier League pretends that the Champions League doesn't exist, like it's a total separate entity, and. I was going to come on to this later, but in France in particular, but also notably in Spain and Italy in the past six years, um, fixtures have been moved to help club by the domestic league to help clubs prepare for big Champions League games. It's still very prevalent within the French league. And I remember uh, kind of high profile wise um, Monaco before they beat Chelsea and got to the final in that run. I know that I'm going back a few years here. But they were basically given, you know, the French Football Federation basically bent over backwards to make sure that Monaco had a, a clear run at that game. Well, yeah, I think there's a there's a certain truth to that. I think possibly more so the Premier League than the others, maybe because the, the Premier League was the the kind of the bellwether, the first league to to really monetize the what what they call it a product now, <laughs> that awful word. But um, so I think there is a lot of that, and I think the the Premier League. They only, I think it's quite, a, it's an official line, but they will only guarantee two clear days between matches for teams. Yeah. So, so they, you know, that is their limit, and then they can shove around games as much as they want. Whereas a lot of the other European leagues, they will put it to, you know, Sunday evenings, Monday evenings, even, um, put put games to to, to give their to give those clubs a an extra rest day. But um, I, I think you're right that the Premier League being such a an international. Bayamoth as a as an organisation and a, and, a, and a massive money making organisation, I think that's the rub. Um, they they it can basically do as it pleases because it, you forget it, it's not just the UK that the Premier League that the, the large proportion of the, of the money that the Premier League is raking in is from abroad and it and its influence abroad. Um, so I think there's a certain amount of it believing its own hype and probably rightly so because it is a massively powerful organisation and. There's not many feasible ways that people could stand up to the Premier League and <laughs> and say give us give us an extra day off because that they can just bat them down with with the amount of money that, that they're giving teams um, and so 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 I can't see that changing to be honest and, and see them being as a as accommodating as um, as other leagues purely because um, how, how powerful they are commercially as an organisation and, and and nothing else will go um, so to speak. Well, I may as well, you know, may as well come onto the money then, which is what a lot of commentators or people within the media have discussed when discussing the English team's uh, current failure to, uh, you know, succeed or hit former heights. I'll just go through some figures for you now, and those of you listening. So, as of this season, the um, Champions League prize money has increased overall by about thirty-six uh, percent for everything. 
if you win the Champions League and you win all of your group games, unlikely, but you know, it probably might have happened before. The maximum you'll get is fifty-four million euros. That's that's what the dream scenario is: fifty-four million euros. Uh, I probably should have worked out what that is uh, pounds, but I didn't. So never mind. Yeah, probably, uh, probably 35, 36. 35, 36, which is, you know, it, it, like it's a decent amount of money. But to the clubs involved, the clubs, your PSGs, your Barcelonas, your Real Madrids, and specifically and especially your English teams, that's not a, a life-changing amount of money, is it? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, that's uh, an extra player. And obviously there's all sorts of there's sponsorship, there's ticket prize, so, you know, it, it'll get boosted. But that's the best value scenario you get 12 million euros for qualifying for the group stage you get 1.5 million euros per win half a million for a draw and then the money goes up you know if you get into the round of 16 i think it's five and then 10 for the quarters and you know something like that so there is plenty of money to be made but i remember freddie shepherd talking about newcastle in the Champions league obviously a long time ago now um talking about how winning every game in, in Europe and in the Champions League was worth so much money to the club no just saying Newcastle got in the Champions League now and I know it's Mike Ashley the money would just be a, a small bonus it really would it, it's about the prestige and the, the players you can attract and being in the Champions League statistically because you can attract better players gives you a better tilt at winning the Premier League or finishing higher up the league next from next season you'll get £97 million prize money um, for finishing 20th in the Premier League. £97 million. Uh, you'll get £146 million for finishing first. That's not including the prize money per game. That's not including the money you earn every time you go on TV. So that's a base amount. And I think it, it's going to be over a million pounds per game, per club. That's featured on the television. I know this is the Bundesliga's current TV deal, so I don't know what the Bundesliga's TV revenue is for next season. If you win the Bundesliga next season, the same Premier League, you know, the same money, twenty-five million. So you're actually five times, four times worse off than the team that finishes twentieth in the Premier League. No, no, that might that might not be directly relevant to English clubs' performance in Europe, but I think there's certainly something to be said that gone are the days when. Uh, Premier League club managers potentially were um, judged by the by the European performance. If you look at Real Madrid, especially in the past, have very much judged managers by their performance in Europe. I know they possibly sacked uh, Del, Bos- Del Bosque, was it, when he won the Champions League? But they sacked a, pe- a Capello, I think, or, or someone. I can't remember who. I should have re- looked at this more for winning the league. Lost his job. Um, yeah. English clubs in the past, and I suppose David Moyes is a tough one, but David Moyes um, did okay in the Champions League. Got to the quarterfinals in his first year managing the Champions yeah. League wasn't enough to keep him his job. Arsene Wenger has consistently failed in the Champions League. You've got to say Arsene Wenger Arsene been a failure in the Champions League for years now. I think it, is, it, is it five years in a row they've gone out of the round of 16? Yeah, five, five years, including last season. He's a, he's a failure. Would Mike, PSG, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich accept that? You tell me. Do you think they'd accept that? Could, could, just, just taking you back a little bit, can I on that point of the the champions of the Bundesliga earning four times less than 
the 20th place team in the Premier League. Can, can, can we somehow sort out a match between Bayern Munich and QPR? Uh, Chris Ramsey's QPR. Because, I mean, QPR should be massive favourites for that game. Yeah, exactly. To be, to be, to be fair. And I, I would I would absolutely love to see um, Richard Dunn and Clint Hill up against uh, the likes of Goethe and Lewandowski. So, just a thought, but um, make, make it happen, plenty. I'll just I'll pick you on that. I'll stick up for QPR a little bit. I think Bayern bring in about £200 million a year in sponsorship. I don't <laughs> see uh, Tony Fernandez's. Uh, marketing department getting the same pull and obviously they pull in a lot of money from uh, tickets too but yeah nice point you know I agree with you well uh, yeah well they, they did write off 60 million um, <laughs> just before the um, the uh, the uh, the football league tried to uh, try to dock them points for, <laughs> um, for, 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 for not meeting their deadlines but that's besides the point huh? um, I think I, I think you're right to a certain degree um, in Europe um, that there is more Prestige about about testing yourself um, in the Champions League, improving your qualities, and that that might be something down to to, to the number of um, foreign coaches abroad and, and the the lack really of English coaches that have in the past and, and present now that, that have made that made that switch. Um, that that it's not seen as 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 the bellwether of of how good a really how good a manager you are at the top level, um, and I think. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think there there is some truth in that, but but I I don't think that the English clubs are, uh, are per se um, completely ignoring the Champions League. I think it'll be interesting to see if Chelsea um, struggle to make progress in the Champions League. Um, the the patience of Abramovich. I mean, he's, he's got his title back now under Mourinho last season, um, and now as he was before until they won it with Di Matteo. You'd think he'll. His focus will, will will shift onto the Champions League, and that was a that was a massive thing for Chelsea for years. Um, can I just say? Has been can, on that. can I just say? Awesome got beat. <laughs> oh, awesome got beat by Olympiacos. I think there's a a few North London WhatsApp groups where, where people are aren't very happy. There's a few Spurs fans on there goading a few Arsenal fans. I should imagine. But, uh, was, it, was it three two in the end? Yeah, mental results. Absolutely that mental. Is, that is, that is that is lovely. I, mean, I, I saw Olympiacos play in Greece actually last year, and they were they were they weren't great. I'll be honest. They, they, they looked they looked like they could have been beaten and nearly were by Crete, who um, <laughs> pulled in about four thousand fans All right. uh, for, for the team. One of the teams in Crete, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that 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 is poor. And as you said, <laughs> Arsenal are going to struggle to to get out of that group now, aren't they? Oh, I mean. Let's talk through it live on air. But realistically, um, what are the naught points each team has three? If all, sorry, all um, what either Olympiakos and Zagreb who poo play each other twice now, are, you know, to say Olympiakos win both those games, that's it for Arsenal. That's it. They can't. They can't qualify mathematically. So yeah, that's quite timely for this discussion tonight. And I know we're talking a little bit about the money now. So I suppose we'll we'll, we'll move things on. And it's one of those. Um, points which is going to be it's impossible to prove or disprove I certainly think to bring it back to my original question to you I don't think a big club in Europe would let Arsene Wenger do what he's done but because there's so much money involved in the Premier League finishing fourth in the league yes it gets you in the Champions League and yes it it you know it, it gets you the money you know um, for finishing fourth in the league which is soon to be well over a, you know nearly 200 million pounds it's just it's so much money that uh, cup competitions and Champions Leagues almost become not immaterial, but they come 
they become like an uh, you know icing on the cake compared to the main competition. When's the last time you heard an English team come out and say, right, this year we want to win the Champions League? Whereas obviously it's implied, obviously it's implied, but the kind of the yeah Champions League's the big thing just doesn't seem to happen anymore. And I know Man United were like that in the nineties. That was because it was a different time, and it was yes, we want to win the Champions League. The Champions League was the aim. I just, I just don't see it being like that at the moment. Uh, I suppose we may as well, we may as well go on to a couple more points that you wanted to raise. Um, Jens Lehmann and tactics. How do they fit together? <laughs> um, well, or do they not? I can't, I can't remember where I read this. I think it might have been Goal.com. I, I was trawling around. I wasn't searching for specifically Jens Lehmann's views on English clubs in the Champions League, but. Um, <laughs> From what he said, I get the feeling that he might be a bit disingenuous in it is just looking for a job at a Premier League club. Huh. His main point was that the the main problem that English clubs are having is that there aren't any ex-players on the board um, at, at board level to, to instil that culture. Um, obviously, you've got the likes of Bayern who have got who have had you know Beckenbauer, Rimniger. They, they they've got they got ex great ex players all over the club um, politically. Um, so layman's layman's main point um is really um whether he's angling for a job or not <laughs> that the, the English clubs should have the the these ex players who've played at the top level in the champions league um or on their boards and, and influencing footballing decisions really so um just really got me thinking about whether how important that really is off the pitch i mean we we look at the 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 players that these teams have got that, that have excelled in Europe before, you know, look, look at Man City, the, the players they're littered with. That I mean, those players aren't out of their depth in the in the Champions League. Uh, playing against the players that they are playing against, the, the, the managers as well uh, that we've had over the years have, have excelled. So, is there something off the pitch? Um, is there something in this that, that Jens Lohmann said that? That, that having that influence, that that overall culture around the club, um, can, can have an impact on, on 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 things going on, on the pitch. Whether that be the manager's tactics or how the managers approach the game, so you know, dropping play, resting players for, for for the Champions League. Um, but I thought it was an interesting view. Obviously, it's a bit of a bit of a, a firebrand. But um, I'm sorry, I'm just uh, being distracted. I've uh, got a. Got a request on Skype from Baby Esselina, um, huh. who's uh, quite cheekily asking me to, to add her as a contact, but I think she can wait till after the Champions League. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, keep them um, key, Mike. Oh no, I'm sure she. I'm sure she's just a regular pod listener. Who just she, wants she'll to, only want to, four to quid a minute. It's it's a bargain. <laughs> she should be paying you. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean. Uh, uh, Aside from that, back to the point. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so uh, should there be more players on board? I personally, I think that's a it's a bit uh, bit simplistic, and I can't see the the value necessarily of that would bring down um, to the pitch. I think there's more tactical naivety and complacency for, for, from English clubs in in the Champions League of late, um, and and it, and it certainly wasn't a problem in the past when we were you know two thousand and seven, two thousand nine, ten. Dominating in the Champions League, so I I, I don't buy the argument myself. But um, I thought it was an interesting point that I've not I've not seen or, or, or heard brought up elsewhere, really. Yeah, uh, the disagreement with that would be Newcastle appointed Bob Moncur to the board this year, and we're still shit. But yeah, that's obviously a tongue in cheek answer. 
Um, but yeah, Newcastle t- obviously taking the advice of Jens Lehmann, but I, obviously it sounds a little bit like um, that is just him being a bit of a gobshite. The tactical one's interesting because, like you say, why, why have Arsenal lost to Olympiagos tonight? We haven't seen the game. Why did they lose to Dynamo Zagreb? Why did Man City... I mean, Man City, we've hardly talked about Man City tonight, Mike. They've got a very lightly, very lightly... Um, well, they're, the, they're the perfect example of tactically. Do you remember the um, the, uh, the the knockout phases last year against Barcelona at home? They played four four two against Barcelona with uh, one of the the finest midfields that, that, <laughs> that European football has ever seen. And within thirty minutes, they were two 0 down and could have been four. They were absolutely cut to ribbons. Uh, that's a, that's a perfect example, I think, isn't it? And that's with a manager who's faced Barcelona like yeah. forty times in his career yeah. as a manager in Spain and never beat them. Um, yeah, so it's it's a tough one because then, do you look at the English success uh, back in the, the later part of last decade, and say English clubs were tactically superior to their foreign counterparts? I'm not sure. I don't know uh, the answer to that question. Do you think it's hard to say it's tactics is the problem now, but we weren't any more superior back in the glory days? So that's a tough one for me. And you look at especially you look at a team like Chelsea. I don't see Jose Mourinho getting out uh, tactically thought by any of his counterparts. I'm trying to think, was it PSG they went out to last season? Mm, yeah. PSG just looked better than them over the over the, the second leg, certainly. I mean, PSG were down to 10 men as well. Uh, the first leg, not so much, but I don't, I don't know if it's a question of tactics, but it, I hate to say it in such a simplistic answer. It just looked like desire. It really did. PSG were so up for it. PSG were bodies on the line. Chelsea would you have just a bit like I'm sure they were bothered but it wasn't it was hardly a vintage uh, you know let's do everything we can't win this game type of performance so yeah so, so, so do, you, do you think that do you think that stems in any way from that the success that, that the English clubs had um, in, in that period um, a few years ago do you think do you think that's a, a direct knock on now that it is it, it, it's not necessarily that you look at the likes of a PSG or Juventus or another example Team, I was delighted to see Juventus back in an Italian team back in the Champions League final last season. It was, but it, it was very much that you know they hadn't been fancied for several years in the Champions League, despite um, d- despite dominating in Italy. Um, and and you can see why they necessarily have that desire. But I think it's it, it's not just that desire. I think there's a there's a level of, of canniness as well. If you look at the Juventus game against Man City the other week, that they, they don't panic. These teams, if they, yeah. you know, if they if they go a goal behind or that, you know, they have a man sent off, they, they don't seem to panic. They, they seem to know as a, as a unit how to how to how to adapt and play, how to defend with ten men, how how to take this thing out of the game, whether it's you know the the, the dark arts of the game or or, or or however you like to put it. But but they know how to adapt and and they're calm and they, they seem to have players on the pitch who can who can carry out you know change of tactics tactical instructions that you often see an English club um, certainly of late I mean Arsenal today are a good example equalised twice to, to go behind <laughs> immediately um, you know both times I mean, Chelsea went behind again pretty soon after after half time after scoring tonight as well um, and the, it just seems to me that the clubs the likes of the Juventus are, are more adept at, 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 um, at adapting when, when things happen it, if someone gets sent off in the first half of a Champions League game, it is 
it is quite a it is quite a trauma for the team. It's it's a it's a massive game. It, it's a, it's a big problem. But but these teams find a way through. They they, they find a solution. They they can grind something out. They grind a point out where you know a, a point or a, or a goal for goal difference could prove crucial at, at the end of a group. And, and and I think that little extra couple of percent. Um, maybe in the mentality of, the, of those teams is making a difference at the moment as well Yes, I, I totally agree and on the tactical point regarding the players maybe there is just like you say that uh, responsibility on the pitch with these teams that you don't really get from Premier League uh, teams at the moment I think Man City are a good example of that last season and this Man City, did they go 2-0 up against Juventus? No, 1-0 up and lost 2-1 there just there didn't seem to be any game plan beyond getting one ahead. I watched the whole game, and it was like we've played okay, we've created a lot of chances. It actually quite scarily reminded me of Newcastle a little bit under John Carver. <laughs> um, that whenever we did take the lead under John, it was just like shit. What now? And it just seemed yeah. like there's no there's no kind of pre-game game plan where the clubs or the managers or the players have the confidence to go through every scenario. It's almost like it's that old-fashioned English mentality, even though there's very few Englishmen involved at Man City, of we're going to big this up, we're going to go into them hard from the kick-off the first 20 minutes, we're going to have a real go, and then we'll try and get a goal, and then after that everything will just be fine. Whereas, like you say, the Juventus team seem to be prepared for going 1-0 down. They seem to be ready for it, they seem to know what to do, they seem to know how to get through the next five minutes, and... That just seems to totally throw off. Like you say, Olympiakos is a good example tonight. Arsenal seemed to like batter Olympiakos from what I saw, equalise, and, and then massively switch off. We did it three times, twice, didn't they? And it's just you just wouldn't get that. Arsenal aren't going to do anything in the Champions League this season. Doing that at home if if they qualify. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're playing in a Champions League. They, they must know that there must there needs to be a a realization from players again. Look, hands up, sometimes someone's going to score against us. Sometimes we will go behind in a game. You're playing against good players in these teams that, that, that you're coming up against. Um, but I was just thinking just then really about the, the, the four English teams in the Champions League and how many leaders have, have all of them got? If you, if you look through the teams, you look at, um, obviously, Terry would be your, your traditional um, go-to man at Chelsea. He's on the bench now. You're looking for other players to, to really grab a game for them and you, you struggle to see it at the moment um, you look at Liverpool with the likes of Carragher and Gerrards even Xabi Alonso in the past um, that, that they don't have Man City companies had it, had his had his ups and downs mm-hmm. um, seems to be a bit exposed in the Champions League but I, I can't see many um, big figures um, in, the, in those teams Um that, that, that could haul him out of it like like a Chiellini for Juventus you know what I mean like like, like players like that like an Ibrahimovic at PSG um, it's uh, there seems to be a bit of a lack of that at the moment or whether that's just a um, just a cyclical thing and, and, and these teams you know need it, needing new players to come through I, I don't know but there certainly seems compared to the when, when English teams were bossing it in Europe you, you, you look at the successful teams and, and they all had you know, United had still had the likes of skulls and gigs around Vidic, Ferdinand at the back. Real, real powerhouses in there. Real, real footballer knowledge. Real, you know, knowledge how to how to win matches like that. That 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 simple. Um, and, I, and I can't see that really at all across all four of the teams. To be perfectly honest with you, I can't see that that same level of character. 
Yeah, and I, again, we're going on about Arsenal, but if I can just get it up, did um, I take it? Uh, did Cockerlan play tonight? I I'm not sure. Team like I'm getting up now. Yeah, he played tonight. So his opposite number for Olympiakos was Cambiaso, who I didn't expect to pop up. But if you think about it, who you know who's going to be able to lead his team, manage the game better from that crucial midfielder? I know I know who my money would be on. I know Arsenal fans are kind of uh, into Cockerlan these days as a really crucial player for the team. I don't quite see it, but then again, I don't I don't watch that much Arsenal. But yeah, I totally agree with everything you say. Um, I think we've, we've we've covered most of the points we wanted to get onto. I think uh, the next or find one of the final things we should discuss before summing up is the, the coefficient for the English teams. And I suppose I'll ask you personally, as a football fan, is is it good? Do you think it'll have a, an impact on English football? Are you bothered about it? Because it looks likely if things continue to have done this week, uh, Man United and Man City got tricky games tomorrow. Could it? Could we be seeing you know the end of four English clubs in the European competition? Well, I mean that that would, as as well as us performing poorly, the, the Italians would have to outperform us as well, like they did like they did last year. Um, yeah. But it's um, I suppose the, the the maybe the more worrying thing about that is that I hadn't really thought about it before, but it, it makes sense that these coefficients are, are, are dished out by UEFA. So not only is it the Champions League that 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 that, that qualifies teams for these coefficients, it's performance in Europa League as well. Yeah. Now you look at was it Southampton went out <laughs> right, right before the group stages, um, West Ham. West well. Ham. Just it's uh, yeah they're, they're they're not doing us any favours um, to be perfectly honest. But I think it's uh, the chance is is getting bigger and bigger that that will happen. Um, yeah. But um, I think uh, I think they're also bringing the change though, which could go in our favour that that the teams who win. Um, each major league in Europe will get um, get be placed as the first seed in the competition, which I'm sure Man City are absolutely delighted to hear <laughs> um, after the last few draws. But um, yeah, it, it, is, it is getting a real possibility. Obviously, it's still fairly slim, and that would rely on the Italians outperforming us again. But with the results we've seen tonight, um, it, it's getting getting a, dis, a distinct possibility um, and. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think it, it would matter to, to English clubs. I know we say the Premier League is so awash with money now um, that it doesn't as such, and I know a lot of players will move for big money. Um, but I still do think those, those real players that will make the difference, a lot of those real winners will still be motiva- motivated by playing Champions League. I mean, regardless of the money, I still think those players who can make a real difference will be driven by, by winning Champions League and, 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 and Champions League places. So um, I, I think that would definitely have an impact on, on attracting talents to the league um, if if we go down that route. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that, that remains to be seen. But we're, we're not making it easy for ourselves this year, are we? Definitely not. And it comes back to the old question. Like anyone who's listened to this podcast before, I have no love for Arsenal. No love for any of the teams um, who, who compete in the Champions League, um, but especially Arsenal after this season's farce at St James's. Um, but it is really, really funny <laughs> when stuff like this happens. So, A, they have to be in the competition for it to happen. B, I'm cracking up now. I'll tell you what, I don't fancy watching on like March the 20th next year. It's not Olympiagos Wolfsburg. I'd much rather watch Arsenal in one of those games on the TV. Then, like, you know, that's a little crack. It's hilarious watching Shakhtar dump out Man City 
But when Shakhtar playing Croatia is all grabbing the next round, next round, you're just like, oh, Champions League, ah, oh. no English Croatia, clubs. Croatia's all grab. That's what they used to be called when we played them back in the day, Mike. Show <laughs> me age there. Um, yeah, we, when we played them, they were called Croatia Zagreb. Um, with a with a young Mark Viduka up front when we played them. Oh, nice. In uh, 97, 98. Um, bit thinner in those days, both me and Mark. Um, still, I think the, the best first touch I've ever seen in the flesh, still, I think. And, and we've seen Messi. I, I always remember seeing Viduka's touch back to goal. There weren't many better. So I'll give him that at least. No word of a lie, Mike. There's no YouTube footage of this. Patrick Clivert, Norwich at home, 2004, League Cup second or third round. He had his back to goal, get played defender tight on his back, ball got played to him. He kicked his foot forwards to spin it over his head, turned the defender and, and, and walked away like nothing happened. The most ridiculous bit of skill I've ever seen on a football pitch. But... um. Yeah, I suppose we've got through about 45 minutes of uh, solid chat on English clubs in the Premier League. Uh, we've talked through a few different points. If you're listening to this and you, you think we've missed something, you disagree, feel free to get in touch. This isn't the only special podcast that me and Mike are going to be doing throughout the season, so please let us know uh, if there's anything else you'd like us to specifically talk about. We Mike this week has, like me, his first blog on the True Faith website. You can find that every Tuesday. Mine's every Monday, so get on www.true-faith.co.uk. Uh, we're both right for the special as well, under my name, um, uh, which is the free True Faith Match Day newsletter. You can get that sent to your phone, tablet, laptop, whatever. Absolutely free. It's your Match Day newsletter from True Faith, all of True Faith's best writers, most of True Faith's best writers on there, uh, You know, giving you information on the Premier League on Newcastle. It's absolutely free. You're mad not to sign up. And this week, me and Mick Martin will be speaking to Anthony Higgins uh, live from Spain about his new ebook, um, Homage to Mercia, which is a chat about uh, Spanish football in the lower leagues and a chat about Spanish football in general. So I hope you can join us for that. It leaves me to say, Mike, thanks so much for your time tonight. No worries, pleasure. And uh, we will have more for you lot listening very, very soon. Cheers.